welcome to Architecture Talk Tongue. I am Sara Colada, an architect and organizer of the Disrupt Symposium, the first of its kind business of architecture event, bringing to stage major architecture practices to cover topics related to entrepreneurship and practice operations within the AEC industry. I am an architecture business development consultant and my goal is to raise the financial well-being of architects through effortless business growth. Each podcast episode features an expert or thought leader from the AEC industry who shares their journey, challenges and advice. Now, let's dive into this episode and welcome our guest for an exclusive interview. Everybody, this is Sarah Colata with Architecture Talk Tang. Today, my today my guest is Adrian Ray Ramsey, and I'm really excited to have Adrian join me to have a little chat about how he's built his business in architecture. He is very involved with the Architects Marketing Institute, and he also has a podcast called Design Talk, which he recently interviewed me on as well. And you can see the episodes on my profile and on my website as well. But nevertheless, Adrian, thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, Sarah, I'm honored. Thank you. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to this chat. So let's just start with perhaps finding out a little bit more about you, Adrian. So tell us mm. who you are, where you are. <laughs> okay. I am, I live in Queensland, Australia. I'm a Kiwi though. So I came from New Zealand originally and I moved here. 2022 so I moved here in the year 2000 and I moved here actually from England it was in Manchester prior to that and this is where we made our home and I have taken a couple of little sojourns and lived in France and England in that time and come back here but this is my home I'm married with a you know, wonderful wife and two beautiful daughters and I have a surf beach seven minutes away so I surf and yeah just very lucky to live in this environment to tell you the truth it's it's not a we're about one hour north of the capital city of Queensland which is Brisbane and so that gives us about an hour maybe an hour and 20 minutes to a major international airport we have a small international airport here and we are probably the most sought after, and I say probably, we are definitely the most sought after destination for people to move to in Australia currently. So we've got a lot going on in this region and it's growing fast, but we're surrounded by beaches and some beautiful hinterland. We have 330 sunshine days a year. It's semi-tropical. There's a lot to love about it. Very easy space to live. You need an airport so you can get out of here and experience a whole lot of other things as well. So that's me. That's where I am. I came from a fashion background and moved into design. I was always a designer, but moved into design and building design and the design of houses. And that's been a passion of mine since I was a young kid, maybe, you know, six or seven years old. I was making models of homes and stuff. And I'm dyslexic, so I never did particularly well at school. However, like a lot of dyslexics, it's been the biggest bonus of my life. It means I don't do 
shit that I don't want to do. Amazing. You can escape it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a great excuse. It's like that number one. Ex- yeah. No, I'd love to, but I can't. I don't know how to do that. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow, you really sold it to me where you live, especially with the surfing as well. And most of the year sunshine. Yeah. So with with living in such a place which is highly in demand for homeowners and people to move to, I'm guessing it must be booming in respect of architecture services and projects. Is there a lot of competition locally for you or not so much? Do you know there is, which is an interesting thing. There's We have a lot of people moving here from interstate. So Australia's, you know, got quite a few states, but we have a lot moving from New South Wales and Victoria, partly because of COVID and also because we have such growth and your money, you know, if you come out of somewhere like, say, Sydney, a single bedroom or maybe even a studio apartment in Sydney in one of the beaches like Bondi or Manly might be about a million bucks. And, you know, every additional bedroom is probably another million bucks. And so that means that when you come here, house prices here are still reasonably high and build costs are still high, but your million dollars or your two, three million dollars that you sell out of Sydney with obviously goes a lot further here and you can better your position. You know, you might have not have been on the beachfront somewhere there, but for your three million, you're on the beachfront here. We have a massive boom also. If you think of America and you think of Florida as being a retirement, a massive boom with people, I would say young retirees and also people setting themselves up for future retirees. So they may have kids and stuff and they go get the kids up there before they finish school. And the universities are reason we've got a good university here, but we've got great universities on the Gold Coast and the and in Queensland and sorry, when I say Queensland and Brisbane. So it's got a big draw card like that. It also had the first Greenfields Hospital has just been built here in Queensland, the first Greenfields Hospital in Queensland in something like 20 years or something. Mm. And it is a smart hospital as well. And we've got a town centre that's being built, which is, again, a 20-year project. It's about seven years in. And that's a smart city. And then we also have, it's the space where they grow the medical marijuana for export from here as well because it's such a tropical climate people don't know much about that one but that's actually a great industry here that happens in this region and then we have the data pipe which if you look around the world certain countries have certain data pipe inputs and the sunshine coast has the fastest data pipe export and input from guam which basically connects everybody in this specific region to America. So we are the only regional center that has a data pipe of that speed and it's faster than anywhere else. So that brings banking and telecommunications and stuff to this area as well. Potentially in the next, I'd say seven to 10 years, this will become a Silicon Valley because of that. And we also have the Olympics arriving in Southeast Queensland, which is Brisbane, the Gold Coast and the Sunshine Coast where I am in 11 years time so we've got an awful lot of sustainable kind of things that have been anchored into place and bring commerce and business as well as they bring without sounding you know snotty or anything else about they bring a an educated 
a population and bringing what I would call, you know, using the term smart population, the, you know, the very tech savvy population. So yeah, we've got a lot going on, which will be very beneficial to the area. And so competition wise, yep, there's plenty of people hanging their plaque out and which is good. It's good because it lifts the total game of everything. Mm -hmm. Been lucky enough to be here, you know, those 20 something years. And with that, we have a, a pretty well established track record of what we do. And, you know, each week, yeah, we're, I don't know, I probably fielded five leads this week that would all be million dollar plus leads. Um, so we're in the very, very fortunate position to pick and choose what we do as opposed to just taking whatever comes through the door. And you know, I do a lot of work with AMI and Architects Marketing Institute. And certainly with what I've learned with them and the, the deliberateness of also, I've done a lot of uh, business coaching over the years, the deliberateness of actually being aware that this is a business that's a service business that is there to help people. It's not just an egotistical driven, I'll build a monument or design a monument to myself business. Oh. Actually, I wanted to pick your brains about this because even though you have a podcast and you're doing a lot of marketing things already, um, sure. before this interview, I went to your website just to see how you communicate as an architect to your audience. And I certainly was able to pick up that you've had some really good coaching and guidance in that respect of communication. I think that your website communicates very clearly as to what sort of clients you want to serve and how, and also positioning you with a little bit of a brand twist, I would say. There is a definitely a personality that shines through that website with the videos that you uploaded and the way you tell a story. And so this is really why I wanted to talk about this a little bit more in depth, because Something that I'm realizing is that even though there is a trend in marketing terms, we say a lot of times how important it is to choose a niche and a client, mm -hmm. understand who you serve. We we'll always say as well, listen to their problems and, you know, understand their needs. But when you boil it down, sometimes it's really hard to put that much importance or attention into it because at the end of the day, what else are we doing? We're just designing houses, <laughs> right? And it's not extremely painful issue that we're solving for them it's not something no. that is like, you know live or die situation however when you learn to have these conversations with clients and you learn to almost train yourself to listen and to ask the right questions as well you can actually dig quite deeply and understand yeah. quite a lot and i think that you know how to do that so i wanted to <laughs> pick your brains about it and understand a little bit better how you learned that process and what it means for you as well as an architect. Do you know, the design isn't the hard part. The part that is the biggest challenge in what we do is to deeply connect with the people. So we wouldn't be doing it if we couldn't design. You know, that's a, that's a passport. You know, you've got to be able to do that because if you can't do that, then go and find something else to do. So... On that front, and I don't claim to be the best designer in the world or anything like that. I go, you know, I'm okay at this thing. I, I've got a, I've got my method and I enjoy it. Yeah, you know, I live for it. I, it's problem solving to me and it's a big joy. When you take something that's a joy that, that you're passionate about 
and you wrap the magic of other people around it and you're not doing it for yourself you're doing it for somebody else then you're serving and then it's humbling it's it's the most beautiful feeling to better somebody else's life by this thing that comes naturally and easy to you and it doesn't mean that you treat it with any disrespect because it comes naturally and easy it means that you because you have a gift then that to me, to me that demands that you work even harder to hone the gift you know like a gift should never be taken lightheartedly a gift and you have this gift you have this amazing gift to connect with people as well and that gift is something that you reach out and use and so i go if you were you know brushed with you know unicorn poo that made you special then in in some way then really your responsibility as a human being on this planet is to take that and try and do something that makes other people's lives better. Mm. And being dyslexic, I knew I was never going to be a novelist. So I decided that maybe I, w- I come from a family where my father's a fine artist and I went, I have a huge, you know, artistic ability. And then I love the deduction of how we do things. For me, it designs actually a bit of a cop-out. I should be an artist and have to be more emotionally attached. But in saying that, one of the things that I recognized was the joy is the people and the joy is then combining the design with the people. So when you find on my podcast, there's a guy called Jeffrey Dungan. One day I was talking to him and I was podcasting with him on this day and I don't quote me, even though it's my own stuff, don't quote me. I said to him, so Jeffrey, you know, you must have some some you know some really great projects like this and he said to me something like this you know we don't look for projects and I was kind of like oh okay and he goes we look for people great people because with great people come great projects and I ran from my little podcast studio upstairs afterwards and my wife's a business coach and said I just had my mind blown my head just got lifted off all this time I've been looking for great projects. I'm Today, I'm no longer looking for great projects. I'm just looking for great people because the project is the great people that we create for. And, you know, I've been doing this for, you know, 21 years when I heard that. But going back to this thing of connecting with people, what being a dyslexic, I realized that I wasn't going to learn so much from reading and writing. Well, I was going to have to learn it from others because that's going to be my fastest learning method. And I learned this really early on in life when I was probably, I I recognized it, I became aware of it, probably when I was around about 11, that this was, I needed to be able to connect with people so that I could find out information that I could then use. And I'll tell you a little story about what happened with, my best friend lived right next door to me. And in the school holidays, we lived in the country. There were three houses in a row, and then there was a big gap, and there was three houses in a row, or five, I think. And then there was a massive gap, and there were two houses way up the road. And on the other side of the road, there was a chook farm and a horse farm. So it wasn't like we had a whole lot of people around. And uh, we'd be totally bored to tears during the holidays. And so we used to do this thing where, you know, my mum would be at work, his mum would be at work and my dad would be at work and his dad would be at work. And so he'd come over, I'd go to his place and we'd pick up, it was an old dial phone, old. And we would just dial any number that was local because when a call was free. So we'd dial any local number and, uh, you know, so say for instance, you you would answer and they'd be like, hello, 
like this and we'd go oh hi is, is john there and you'd go oh sorry no there's no john here and go oh but did i call so you jump in really quick did i call and we'd say the number that we dialed so we'd write that down and you'd go yeah that's correct go, oh okay john gave me this number and said that's where he lived and so our whole aim was how long we had a competition who could keep this person who we had no relationship to on the phone the longest it was the competition that's what we did we did it for hours on end and i look back and i go it really taught both of us how to keep people in a loop and in attention to talking to you and it was just a game that we played every school holidays like it was mind mindless just junk i look back to it now and i go i have no fear of calling anybody and i have no fear of talking to anybody everybody has got some value that they can deliver to me just by talking and opportunity arises from that and again being dyslexic i learned that connecting people to people is having a network of people is really valuable and not to monetize don't get me i'm not monetizing i'm just going it's really valuable as a knowledge base that you can learn from yeah uh, so that became a big point and then when i look at my business so Prior to this, I worked in fashion design for a long time. And then I started this company. And when I started this company, I worked out really quickly that it was connecting to people that was going to make the difference. And then it becomes how much fun can you have connecting with them? Yeah, how can how much I want to say joy or naughtiness or inappropriateness or laughter or what is it that builds rapport? But what you're really trying to do is peel them back past the facade to get into something that is much more authentically emotional to them. And how can you use your design and architecture to support that? And it's important to be able to know things from their past, things from their, you know, maybe their childhood, as well as it's really important to know their predictions for what their future should look like because then we can support them with our architecture and we can support them with the planet you know we can say this is your environment and this is why it matters and this is how we can help with that and this is how we can essentially you know drop some building into this environment that will do hopefully the least amount of damage in the space and also meet your needs and take you or give you a place to take this chapter of your life or these chapters of your life you know often these chapters more chapters so it's like giving you a platform to be in for that next piece so there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of questioning with that and i often say to people you know we'll talk about what you want to do on your property or on your land or with the current house but you know we'll talk about a lot of other things as well we'll talk about kids and business and you know whatever the views on anything are because i have to learn who you are exactly if i can't learn who you are then i can't do the job for you so part of this process is i'm going to learn who you are and then we're going to make a decision on whether we do the job for you or not that's great and really that takes me to another question because listening to you is really effortless i think you've got a real gift of self-expression and storytelling it's very engaging and uh, you know, with the story that you shared about the phone and engaging people, I'm sure that you also learned to 
somehow keep people in the conversation and get to know more about them. And through being authentic with the way that you self-express as well, it helps people to open up. Uh, tell me how's that affected your business and especially the communications with the clients and how would you define that true listening, which is important because that's where you draw your research and information for the project. I think the, the fact of having what we would call casual conversation Casual conversation is often with strangers because essentially a client, when you first meet them as a stranger, casual conversation is often filled with just little hooks. And when you're with somebody to watch their eyes, to watch their facial expressions and their body language. Architecture Talk Tank is sponsored by the good people at Integrated Projects. A team of architects and technologists focus on the digitalization of the built environment. Did you know that there are more existing buildings in this world than websites? Yet only 0.0001% have been digitized. In response to this, the Integrated Projects team launched BIMIT to digitize any space imaginable. Offices, homes, mechanical spaces, you name it. Now any architect, engineers or reality capture specialists can convert their 3D scan into LOD 200 BIM just in hours, not weeks or months. Why does this matter? Well, now we can accurately view, verify and quantify the spaces that we design, build and operate. To learn more about BIMIT, visit www.integrated-projects.com forward slash Sarah Colada. There's something magical about listening. So what I'm listening for is the little nuances. Yes, the conversation, but the little nuances. And what I'm listening for is when they say something that, that just pricks my attention, and I may or may not pick it up at that point. But that's, that piece that pricks your attention is your subconscious connecting with what they're saying. And, you know, somebody might, might say something. I, I'm trying to think of a great example here. I haven't got one yet. But they might say something and you just get a little, like, little twinge. And with that little twinge, you then come back to that. You bring it round in the conversation. And, or sometimes you might stop the conversation and go, hold on, there was something you said there that I didn't quite get. And they will often dismiss it at that point as well. But they, they put it in that original conversation for a reason. And it would often be very lighthearted. You know, people often tell you something that's quite deep to them, but with a bit of laughter because it's got a nervousness to it or because they want it to be out, but they don't want to, you know, like I robbed the bank, but did they? You know, those kind of things. People love to confess things when they feel relaxed. And so I'm listening for those kind of things. And then I play with them. Then I go, you said to me, you know, this, and then they'll go, yeah, but that never really happened. And I go, but something happened. What really happened? Go on. Tell me the story like this. And then they start to reveal themselves, either by their explanation of why it didn't happen or why it did happen. 
or what they were really meaning or whatever. And then you go with that. What I'm trying to do with that is I'm trying to go, okay, so now we're a couple of layers deeper than we would be because we've I've taken the time to try and dig it out. And now you've got these couple of layers. From that point, I'm looking to go, what would that mean as an emotional thing in the architecture or in the space? That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, absolutely. And that makes a lot of sense because we, when we have certain visions, for example, of spaces, there is always an emotional charge there. And there is maybe that comes from childhood or being seen on a movie or sort of a dream or something to manifest. And it's usually looking for a feeling in that, you know, maybe togetherness or, you know, a place where you can be alone in the house. You are so right. And, you know, one of the things that I recognized early on in this journey was I have this little one that I love to do with people. And it is, I say to them, okay, so I want you to, we're going to imagine, you know, life. I want you to close your eyes. And often they've got kids. So young kids, I go, close your eyes. They'll look at me and I'll go, no, close your eyes. And I'll get them to close. And I'll go, so I want you to imagine that you're in a tree-lined street and the trees are hanging over the street and that there's, you know, there's some cars parked on the side of the road, but there's a footpath and there's no fences. There's just lawns that roll up to the houses. And the houses, you know, they've got deep verandas on the front, but they're well set back from the road and there's big trees on the front lawn as well. And they've got long, wide steps and there's a deep porch on this and it's well covered. And I'm like, so can you, and you can hear a fair, hear hear the birds and you can just hear the wind just in those trees and you can smell trees and nature. And are you there with me? Can you drift along on that? And they're like, yeah. And I go, you know, and the house is, you know what, you're looking from the street now at the house and there's a couple sitting on the stairs and, you know, I might say they're drinking wine or whatever and they've got their feet together and they're at either side of the stairs with their backs being propped up and they're drinking and they're chatting and, you know, they're just a couple enjoying a sunny afternoon sitting on the stairs overlooking their front yard and having a glass of wine and just connecting as people, you know, and they're like, oh, you can see the, you can see this <laughs> happening in them. And I go, and actually there's a long-haired golden Labrador retriever and it's, it's on the lawn as well. And it, it's lying there, but yeah, there's a couple of kids over by a tree, over by the, this, this big tree, this tree's got quite a canopy and it's got a swing in it. It's got like a rope and it's got a tire that's just tied in the rope and the kids are playing in this tire swing. And, uh, you know, every now and then they throw a ball for the, lab and the lab jumps up and runs and gets it doesn't want to work too hard and brings it back and the kids are laughing and you know they're having fun and you guys are just able to chill out and zone on that front porch and I go so can you get all that yeah I can get all that how does it feel for you oh yeah it feels really good and I go yeah that's a Hollywood movie the significance I say to them to that Hollywood movie is I want to close your eyes again and go back to what those feelings were and was it a date with somebody was it with maybe you know you went with a a woman going with a girlfriend of hers and hanging out or a guy going with a you know with a girl or 
whatever with his wife or whatever was it a date was there some kind of anchor that makes this time special and you're feeling treated and you're going and you're getting that time alone and you're getting that time even though you're in theater full of people but you're getting that time and you're relaxed and you're on a journey of what's happening and nine times out of ten people connect to that and I go, that is why that beautiful scene is anchored and that is why hollywood keeps reproducing it because it knows because those guys you know might as well be psychologists those guys in Hollywood are producing things that give people emotions in a moment. And so when we look at a home, I say to them, oh, when we're looking at your home, I need to get you to coming and seeing me is like being on a date. It's a date of fun and exploration and excitement and how do we dig into who you are and how do we find out more about what makes that feel great? You know, should we put a window seat in? Yeah, we're doing a home at the moment and it's got a library with a window seat. Yeah. That just, for me, I go, what would you do in there? Because I don't read that many books. Maybe we could have picture books. But like, I go, that for so many people has got a dream portion to it being surrounded by books which is solid and grounding and knowledge and you know it's history and it's all those things and then being able to have time in this busy life to sit in a window seat and look out and enjoy a book would be like a treat mm-hmm. we'd all be in there on our phones checking our social media but that would still be to have time that uninterrupted is actually the key there and so where do we find those spaces and the emotions and how big's the need for people to have their own space, to have something that is relaxing, something that is nurturing, something that's intimate, something that's exciting, something that's entertaining. How do we find all these spaces in a home? You know, I often joke with clients, I go, we'll be talking about their home and they'll make things generic. It's almost like the idea of the home starting to overwhelm them. So we'll just paint it all white. We'll just use the same bench top everywhere. And I'm going, yeah, we could do that. You know, but I just want to check in with you that the laundry and the bedroom are not the same emotional spaces for you. Just that gameplay like that mm. shifts them. And yeah. then they go, no, of course not. And then you go, so let's dig into what the laundry is. What is that space? You know, it's a workspace. It's one of taking care of business. It's one where we want high function, but we don't necessarily want to spend hours. We want things to be taken care of effortlessly and easily because it's a chore. When we go to the bedroom, we're going, this is a place of rejuvenation. It's a place of joy. It's a place of relaxation. It's a place of self-nurturing as well as it's the only place in a home where a couple has to agree on something, you know, like that, that it has a collision course there where it's got to actually nurture both sides of a couple. If they're a couple, it's got to have enough masculine energy and feminine energy. Even if they're a male couple or a female couple, it still needs to have these plays of energy in there. Yeah. And so you take that and then you take a, an ensuite that belongs to that. And that's a place of get myself ready to do what I need to do to work and all the rest. But it's also a place of relaxation and, you know, intimacy and joy again. So mm-hmm. when you look at each space, each room of a house has personality 
you know, a living room is often not used anywhere near the value of the amount of space it takes up in a house because of time constraints. You, this is the, other than the garage, it's probably the biggest room space and it gets used maybe 10% of the time. Yet we put all this value on it, but it's not actually usable value, it's imagined value. So when we break it down like that and we have these conversations with people to make sure that they're nurturing themselves in how their home operates, it becomes, that's the joy of the journey. And everybody's so bloody different. <laughs> they're all the same, but they're all different, you know? So that's the kind of conversation that we go into to, to find our people and find out what it is. And, you know, the biggest thing is not to take too many assumptions with you. Absolutely, yeah. Because, and I think that, you know, what you've been managing to do really well, even during this conversation, is unpack those spaces and be able to tap into the emotional charge that we feel behind them, right? And so if you have those conversations with people, you then start seeing personality because everyone will have a different view as yeah. to how that space should be. Yes, in some ways they might be similar. Of course, the bedroom is to unwind and recharge. But for many people, that might mean different things. And actually being able to unpack people to that extent, yeah. to be able to tap into that personality is super important. And really release judgment as well, because, you know, somebody says to you, I don't cook. So then you go, okay, so how do you eat? What happens? Yeah. If you don't cook, what happens? I had somebody yesterday who said to me, she said, I don't cook. And I said, at all? And she said, well, I cook, but I just cook basic. And I go, what's basic? And she said to me, you know, we barbecue meat and we eat, you know, veg and maybe a salad. And I said, sounds good. And she's, we don't do any fancy meals. And I said, that's cool. I said, if you want a fancy meal, what do you do? And she said, we go out. And I said, Sounds good to me. I said, so what you're telling me, if, uh, tell me if I'm wrong here, you're looking for a highly functional, simple kitchen. It just needs to do what you need done. Yeah. It doesn't need to be a big show off. It doesn't need to cost, you know, a million bucks. It needs to be something that works really well that you can cook in, you know, maybe four pots in a pan. Do you use the oven? No, I never use the oven. I don't bake. I don't. I said, could you do without an oven? Oh, you'd never build a house without an oven. And I go, oh, I probably agree on that. However, it's not going to be a driving force to what you do. So if I put the oven under the bench as opposed to in the wall, would that make more sense to you? And she's, hell yeah. Mm. So I'm not going to open it. Like it's, you know, so we could take up valuable wall space. Instead, she'd be better with bench space. And so, and then we play with that idea as to wall space or bench space or what happens. So that's the fun of this journey. It's, yeah, you're appealing, you're appealing the client back, but with whatever they say is okay. Everything's good. Let's work out how we make it, how we take that and make it sensible for them, functional for the home, functional for resale of the home if they work it to resell it. Yeah. And because, you know, pretty much nothing's forever. So how do you do that and enjoy that journey of finding that out with them and then still create a home that does all the things that a home needs to do? And if it wasn't them in there, it wouldn't just be some 
total bloody oddball that everybody go oh, it just makes no sense and they'd never be able to sell it yeah that's the fun of the puzzle absolutely so to summarize what would be like in a nutshell the most important things that you're looking for when you're having these conversations with clients oh lots of things however like in a nutshell is can we laugh are they going to are they you know highly stressy people if they're highly stressy people it makes the job of doing the 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 design it makes it a lot less enjoyable some people some people just look for dissatisfaction in life yeah and we can all do that we'll find it that's a given Um, they may be people who love detail which is great so then you've got to go okay this is what is it that would you would need to feel comfortable in this process would it be spreadsheets would it be whatever 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 yep those would be the things okay cool how often would we would you need them and would you need them every week or would you need them every month or would you need them at these critical points you know what would your needs be okay we can do that or no we can't do that that's as easy as you know and so if we can't do that it'd be best we weren't you know we didn't partner up in this design but if we can meet your needs then yep let's meet your needs you know is it a weekly check-in with a phone call that says it's just this or is it a weekly email that says this or you know are we goal focused are we outcome focused you know if this is a journey and it's not necessarily a fast journey in the scheme of life you know you think that people might live for say 80 or 100 years by the time you design and build a custom home you're probably two years into your process and by the time the landscaping's grown in, you're another two years into your process. If you look at that and you said, you know, 10% of their life might be eight years, well, we've used up, you know, 5% of their life in this process. So making sure that process isn't going to break them, making sure that process is going to, we're going to nurture them with it is really important. When I'm looking for clients, what I'm looking for in clients is people that we can have a really good laugh that we can be really honest with. I had a client say to me the other about two months ago, he goes, you can just tell me, is that a shit idea or is that a shit idea? And I said, you already know it's a shit idea. Why are you asking me? And he goes, so what are you going to do with my shit idea? And I said, well, I'm going to fix it. This is what we're going to do. He can't do that with every client, but he wasn't even asking me because he thought it was a great idea. He was asking me because he thought it was a shit idea. And, And that part of it, the other one is, you know, I say to clients, I'm going to do a bit of fishing with you, you know. I'm going to throw out some bait and I'm going to see whether you jump on it or whether you spit it out. And I won't be offended if you go, oh, my God, I hate that. sounds bloody awful or whatever it is. I go, that would, I would be joy and joy if I can find that space with you, that you feel you can be that honest. Because if you can, then we can go somewhere. If you can't, then we're just going to play a nice game. And, you know, like you might, I might be talking to you about something in the design kind of sense, and I'll throw an idea out that's a piece of bait, and I'll see you just wrinkle your nose. And I'll go, what was that? And you'll go, what? And I go, I saw that look on your face. I saw you wrinkle your nose. What's that about? And you go, oh, no, it was nothing. And I go, no, it was something. said, you screwed your nose up at it. It must have been crap like this. So what was it that made it, you know, that you didn't jump with joy? Why weren't you leaping across the table, jumping and singing? And they go, because it's clever. 
And I go, awesome. Let's leave that stuff behind and let's get to something better. Because that's it's the ego for me is in finding out what's better, not holding on to my idea. I've got thousands of ideas. They're just uh, I'm overloaded with ideas. I'm just looking for an opportunity to find the right one that matches you. Yeah. So that, in a nutshell, I'm looking for people that will play. I call it play. We'll have fun and we'll play. And we've got to be really mindful. You know, I've got a bunch of clients that spend, you know, anywhere on their build cost is somewhere between, you know, say $1 million and $3 million. That's serious money. That's very serious money. Somebody's got to actually pay it. I don't. I just draw some pictures and get paid for them. Somebody's got to pay that money out. And that is serious money. And it takes time to get that kind of serious money and the ability to have the freedom to choose what you do with it. Mm -hmm. And so then I go, let's never lose the weight of that and how humble it is to be chosen to be taken on that journey with the person with the $3 million or the $2 million or the $1 million. That, that is, that's not because you're, you know, somebody who's shit hot. It's because you're somebody who's humble enough to be able to listen, to be able to go on that journey with them because they're going to spend it with somebody, whether it's you or somebody else, they're going to spend it with somebody. And if it's not going to be, if it doesn't have that magic or that fun or that joy in it, then don't take the job. Bail out quick. It's like going out, you know, like you go on a date with some and you go, just because they gave you money. If you went on, if every date you went on, somebody paid you for it, would you stick around and just keep going on the same average date every night because you got 50 bucks? No, do it for a client either. Only do it when there's enough love in the room that you want to keep going. You know, that's the joy of it. That's the magic that makes it happen. And then you get to play and you find somebody to play with. And they're different personalities. And often it's two personalities that you're playing with. And they're trying to play together as well, often as well. You know, half this job is marriage counseling, you know. So taking people, I've got this fun thing I do. You've got the, you're taking people on a journey. So you have a wish and I have very specific instructions to the wish list. Do I care if people do it or not? No, I don't. But I make a big deal out of it. I go, so you're a couple. doesn't matter, as I say, whether you're great, gay, whatever. It doesn't matter. You're a couple and you're doing this project together. So I want you to write your wish list completely separately from your partner. This episode of Architecture Talk Tank is brought to you by the MGS Global Group a team that provides on-demand CAD and BIM drafting, as well as renderings for architecture firms. In today's environment, with everyone experiencing a surge in projects and staffing challenges, MGS Global can deliver your drawings on time and within your budget. So why work with MGS Global? Their customer service is exceptional and they provide quality for value. They have completed over 5,000 projects worldwide, a testament to their work. Now you can focus on design and let MGS do the rest. Check them out at www.mgsglobalgroup.com. And your partner must write their wish list. There's to be no conversation between you. And I want you to be so selfish that you're only thinking of yourself almost like you're a single person. I don't care what your partner wants. I don't give a rat's ass. We're going to find that out on their bit of paper. And I want you 
to both go separate ways and write what you want. And then I want you to categorize what you want into three categories. The first one is this project what just won't even happen without this being in it. If you can't do this project doesn't happen. So those are non-negotiables. Then I want you to write in the next column, I want you to put the things in this project that would be really great to have. You know, these are things that I'd really love to have. And then the third thing I want you to do is I want you to write some fantasy things that would just be amazing if you could pull these off. These would be, you know, if we could pull these off in budget and all the rest, then everybody's a rock star. And so I get them to write their list and I say, now, if your marriage or your partnership, whatever it is, can handle it, I want you to then write a third list where you combine these two. If it can't, I'll know because you'll bring me two lists and we will write a list together that's in between the two. And people really struggle to be that selfish and they really struggle to get down to what really matters to them. The ones where one is particularly dominant, they say, we're on the same page. We can just write it together. That means somebody's controlling everything. What yeah. I'm looking for is who gives up what in the final outcome. And nine times out of 10, the bit that you could be a rock star for is so simple to deliver. It's just crazy. And so you can deliver on something that they thought they might never get. Amazingly, you know, we had somebody recently who said a flying fox, mm -hmm. so, you know, like a zip line. And I'm like, yeah. It's probably less than 10 grand. And I've got a friend who does them all over the world. We can find out, you know, like, why wouldn't you have it? Yeah. If we can get that into your budget at the end of it and all the rest, why wouldn't you have it? And they're going, well, I get my zip line. I wasn't even that serious about the zip line. I just didn't know whether you could do it. You know? <laughs> Things like that. It's that's the, that's part of it. But doing that process, we get to play again and we get to get them to be to think about themselves, not themselves as in the relationship, not themselves as part of a family, but themselves as an individual. And, you know, they actually, right at the very start, get to get a voice. And so that gives us a document that we go, what about when you said this? And we can play with it again. It's not what about when you said this and we beat them with a stick. It's what about when you said this and they go, oh, I've grown up a bit since then or whatever. Yeah. yeah. That's part of the joy of this journey. Wow, it's so In a nutshell, it's playtime. Yeah, I love it. I love how creative you are actually with, with this and all these ideas seem so simple and yet it's, uh, it's very captivating actually. It's captivating even listening to these stories as you share them. And it made me almost like dream, you know, imagine. That's know, the joy. Designing, designing a house and like really putting emotions into different spaces and your own personality. And I think that, yeah, it's fun to connect with people that way and want to learn more. And I think that if anything, people listening to this podcast can get the sort of inspired by the creativity of how you approach communications with your clients. And really, I see that we have quite a few listeners now, guys, listen to this talk from the very beginning because it was absolutely fabulous we're already at a 50 minute mark but yeah like you have to listen to it from the beginning adrian is full of great ideas and just absolutely amazing from a marketing sense being able to tell people about the fun of it and you know i have my podcast so 
with my podcast, I don't leave any podcast without feeling inspired and growing. And I didn't do my podcast for listeners. I did my podcast for me because I went, what a brilliant way to be able to actually talk to amazing people, you know, and I write pages of notes, like from your pod, when I did a podcast with you, I've got pages of notes. <laughs> I go, ah, oh, yeah, of course, I learned this, I learned this, these things that I got to learn from you that I embed into the journey of my life. And I go, okay, so how do I do that? How do I do that better? And then how does it serve somebody else? So this whole thing of, you know, like when I said, I'm dyslexic. So I realized that I needed people to teach me things. I wasn't going to learn them from a book. And so my method of going through life to learn from others and in learning from others who, are, who have accomplished something, whether it's greatness or not greatness, it doesn't really matter, but to learn from them and then to be able to introduce other people to learn from them. So you know, we were talking before about Zara and I use Zara, if this was before the podcast and Zara just interviewed her and I use Zara because she's a building biologist. And do I want to learn the nuances of building biology? No. Do I want to have somebody who is under my, you know, arm and values my input like I value her input in building biology? Hell yes. And do I want to do that because I want to live in that? Yes. Do I want to do it because I want my clients to live in it? Yes. Those are the things. And I will, you know, find these people along the way that my network is huge. And then I can go, you know what? If that's what you're looking for, maybe I can help. I know this person. And so this web of people that we meet and get to enjoy in life they may not be valuable to us in a transactional sense in that moment, but they might be incredibly valuable to someone else in another moment. And so I collect a web of people that are there because I enjoy them, but B, because they can add value to somebody else. I see, I meet somebody who I go, wow, that could really add value to them. Yeah. And then I go, so let's put those two people together. And if we can put those two people together, then we may have changed a whole bunch of lives. Yeah. Yesterday, I got a call from a guy that's on my podcast. And he said, we were talking around his business and what he was trying to do with it. And he needed some help with some part of it. And I said to him, okay, cool. I know a bit about what you're talking about. I wouldn't say I'm an expert. However, I'm going to send you... And I'm going to connect these people to you, these three people to you, because each one of them you need to have a conversation with. And they may not be the answer, but they are on part of that journey to the answer. And so I was able to connect him with three people to help him in his business that will take him on a journey towards his answer. And I said, just loop back to me. And, you know, we might have had an hour's conversation. Loop back to me and tell me what you got out of it and just see if there's anywhere else opens up that we can get you to so that you can grow your business and I'm a great believer in coaching you know I'm a great believer in I'm not necessarily very coachable a lot of the time but I am a great believer in that you surround yourself with people who know how to read other people and know how to master 
a subject you know that's how i met you yeah because you coach people you've mastered a part of what of this industry and in mastering that part of this industry you add value to the industry and which actually ultimately benefits the clients of the people who join your programs yeah their clients are the winners they might think they're the winner they're only the winner when their client's the winner yeah and so then you change your life the process of giving is beautiful just like you shared with with your clients that whole idea of of sharing value and seeing them also implement it and grow and be happy with it you know be happy with the changes the, the, the transformation that you offer and i think that understanding that process from a business perspective really helps especially when you know when you run your business on your own, you're a solopreneur, understanding that correlation with the way that we change reality for others, how the value that we give and the transformation that we offer and the journey that person takes from point A being, for example, not having that home renovated or up to a standard of what they want and then taking them there and that journey together. It's about relationship. It's about understanding their personality, being able to also fit your, your, your ability to deliver that project to their personality too. A hundred percent. That's huge. Yeah, That's exactly. Huge. Yeah. And being then able, being able to deliver to somebody's personality, you have to go, you have, I believe you have to become empathetic to their view of the world. And it doesn't mean that you have to abandon your own. It just means you have to take theirs on. And when you can do that, you learn, you grow. And people's view of the world is not often what you think it is when you meet them. They have a facade of to the world, but then they have a view of the world which is personal to them. And that view of the world that's personal to them will be, be the piece that you want to get to. I had a guy who asked me once, he said something about, you know, so this was years and years ago about my clients. And I said, oh, look, most of them are a whole bunch of rich people that just have houses that are bigger than they need. And he went, so why do you do it? I went, oh, it pays the bills and, you know. And he said, man, I'd find something else to do if I was you. And I said, why? And he goes, that's a lousy way to do business. That's a really crap way to do business. And I said, yeah, I suppose it is. And I said, why do you think I do it? And he goes, just for the reason you said. He said, but if there was another reason, let me ask you some other questions about it. And he said, so you design a house for people. What does that do for them? And I said, it gives them somewhere to live. And he's, yeah. And is it a better place to live than they had before? And I go, hopefully. And he goes, so if they have a better place to live than they were in before, what would that mean? And I said, oh, I suppose life would be a bit easier. And he goes, and what would that mean? And I said, they're probably more relaxed. He goes, what would that mean? Oh, they probably don't yell at their kids as much. They probably have a better relationship. He goes, and what would that mean? <laughs> and you can see where this journey's going. Yeah. And he said, so maybe when you pick up your pencil and you have that conversation with them, you're creating a better life for them. Just maybe. Would that be a better way of describing what you do? And I said, yeah, I guess so. And he goes, when you stop guessing so and you actually make it your intention, maybe you should keep doing your job. And, you know, it was an eye-opener to me as well. I wasn't doing it just to get paid. 
I actually poured my heart and soul into every design, but I poured it in from this negative attitude that could have been such a positive attitude. And it was a negative attitude if they have and I don't, or they, you know, like this whole kind of poor me, bloody victim almost mentality. But I still poured my heart and soul into making it better for them, but it, from a victim mentality. And when I shifted that to doing it from an empowered mentality, of imagine if I could do this and then imagine if I could just ratchet that up another 50% or 5%, doesn't matter. How much better would their life be? And I would be a little bit responsible for helping them get that. And along the way, I might get paid a little bit better for that. And I might get remembered a little bit when I, in their eyes, you know, appreciated a little bit more for that. There's the currency. That was enough for me. One conversation was enough for me and I remember another time like that in my life I was living in London and I was living under the circumstances as I put it I was living in London it was dreary and I was going to work I was working in the fashion industry and one morning I was walking down Oxford Street and I used to walk down on the sunny side of the road if there was a bloody sunny side I walked down the sunny side of the road so I, even though I worked on the other side this other side was the one that picked up the sun and I looked across one morning, it was early, and I'm walking down the street. I got off the bus and I'm walking towards where I worked. And this really pretty blonde girl came out of a door across on the other side of the road. And she was pretty blonde. She had a big red jacket on and she just had a spring in her step and she had a, a ponytail that just bounced, you know? And, and she, when she came out of the door, she had this massive smile. She wasn't smiling at me. I was like, you know, some grump on the other side of the street under the circumstances. And she had the smile on her face. It was like the world was an amazing place and it was a pretty grey day. It was a little bit of sunshine. And uh, I remember thinking to myself, what's she so damn happy about? And about two steps later, I said, and what's your problem? What's your problem? Pretty girl opens a door, comes out into the world, gets ready to enjoy an amazing day. And you're walking along here like you've got, you know, a bear on your head. Yeah. I put a spring in my step in the next two steps. But, you know, it took, and that was the turnaround. I went from living in London or being in London to living in London and just discovering it and enjoying it and loving it. And now it's one of my most favorite cities in the world. You know, yeah. Quite a few others. But just that one moment, that blonde girl, God knows who she is or whatever, she changed my life in that moment with a smile, not at me, just a smile at the world. It changed my life. And I go, those little significant moments reset my outlook at that time on where I was doing with my life. And if we don't do that, if we just keep bulldozing our own, you know, despair or whatever the hell it is forward, we're bound for a lot of misery. Absolutely. Life's too short for misery and it's too long for misery as well. Yeah, we're here for the fun, aren't we? We're here for the joy and what we can do. Absolutely. That note, thank you so much for joining me today. It was really? an absolutely amazing conversation. I loved how much you shared about your relationship with clients. And it just sounds like after all those little experiences that you had for yourself as well, you made your job and your career a better place because. It's more about connecting. It's more about finding interesting people that are fascinating and can bring some sunshine into your life as well, which I think makes it better because then you know who you want to work with and what sort of yeah. relationships you're looking for. 
And I remember as a takeaway, you know, if you want to have better projects, find better people to work with. Jeffrey Dungan, thank you. Just find great people. Exactly. Just spend your life looking for great people, whether it's for work or whether it's for a conversation or whatever. Just that's the aim. Look for great people and wrap them around you and wrap yourself around them and enjoy them and hopefully bring massive value to them and be open to them bringing massive value to you. Exactly. I think that's what you do with what you do. I think you just bring massive value to people and especially in this industry. And I certainly think it's what AMI does as well. They bring massive value, but you can only take people from where they're at. And some people are ready and some people aren't ready. But those who are ready and true, and then there's ready and truly ready. Those who are ready and then the ones who are truly ready, they get a journey of a lifetime. They get on the, they get on the, you know, the fast roller coaster or the rocket ship and they get to, you know, light the fire and fly, which is, you know, dreamland, dreamland. And it's a journey as well. You know, it's not all straight lines. It's not all up. It's like, it's got its downs and its turns and its twists and the learnings and all the rest, but that's the journey. You know, greet it with joy. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you so much. I've yes, thank you. It was a pleasure. So for all the listeners, if they want to find you as well as listen to the podcast, Talk Design, where do they yep. go? Yep, Talk Design. So you'll find me on there somewhere. <laughs> okay, so the podcast is called Talk Design and then yep. the website. Oh, so talk, it's Talk Design. As a website, it's, you know, www.talkdesign.show. But it's on every platform just as talk design and there's a bunch of creatives and business people fashion people architects some very well known some not so well known people who are just starting out there's some really young entrepreneurs on there as well it's a mixture of people who are creative and people who are courageous and for everyone who is an architect who's listened to this podcast as we were talking about communicating listen to your clients you know go and check Adrian's website, ardesignhouse.com, and see how he communicates what he does as an architect. And you can see a lot of character in it and a lot of personality in the branding and in the way that he communicates what he does for clients. And I think it's a great way to check it out and learn something for yourself as to how to establish a brand and communicate what you do for clients, but also what sort of clients you want to work with. It's all there and uh, yeah, it's really great, pre- greatly presented. So I encourage you guys to go check it out and just follow Adrian. As you see, he's a great story- storyteller. <laughs> so Talk Design Podcast is an awesome place to go for more inspiration and listening to Adrian. So thank you so much for joining me today, Adrian. Thank you, Sarah. Really appreciate it. It was fun to talk and we'll talk soon. Yes, absolutely. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in as well. And we'll see you all yeah, soon. Thank you for taking time to listen to us. Yeah. It's, it's humbling to think that people even bother. It really is. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for bothering. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Architecture Talk Tank has its own frequency. We're not a regular podcast, but we are here for you. Always. If you have a suggestion for a guest, or have a story that others in this community can benefit from, please contact me via social media or email me directly at 
me at saracolada.com. To sign up for my newsletter, simply go to the website saracolada.com. I am on Instagram, YouTube and LinkedIn. You can find me by typing my name, Sarah Colada. Come say hi. I'm always excited when you reach out. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.